Y'all ready to dive into the message today? Jeez, that was weak. Is anybody excited to be here today? <laughs> well, y'all, first of all, if you're a guest with us today, or if you're joining us online, if you're a part of our online family, I want us to show them some love. Would you show some love to our guests this morning and our online family? Amen. Listen, I just want to honor you guys because it is the greatest honor in the world to pastor this church. You guys are awesome. I love you. Uh, I, I, would not be, I would not rather be any other place than where I'm at right now. And I, I thank you. I thank you for allowing me to be me. I thank you for being you and, and making this church awesome. You know, one of my favorite things about Clawson, one of my favorite things about Clawson is that at Clawson, we're dangerously authentic. Amen. Like we believe that God made you how you are and you get to be who you are. Somebody say amen. And so this morning, I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. Josh Pogue's about to be dangerously authentic. As a matter of fact, let me just go ahead and say I have no idea how this message is going to come across. Since I had a completely different message until yesterday morning. I had wrote a message to preach to you today. And then yesterday morning as I was journaling all of the thoughts that I've had going on in my mind, in my heart, and in my brain this last week, I really felt like God wanted me to preach a different message to you this morning. And if you know me at all, you know that I am freaked out right now. Because I write my message five days a week, and then I study it the last two days a week, and then I don't come to the pulpit when I'm not prepared. And I feel like I'm not prepared. But I also feel like that God has been giving me some things on my heart, and I'm supposed to bring it to you today. And so I plan on being 100% dangerously authentic. And you need to know that what I'm going to say this morning is not going to be popular. You need to know that what I'm going to say this morning is probably going to get a lot of flack online. And it may even irritate some of our church family in this place. But I want you to know that my job, my job from God is to preach to you truth and to bring to you truth. And when the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to go in a direction, I don't question the Holy Spirit. I go in the direction that he's leading me. And so this morning, it's going to be hard for me and it's going to be hard for you. <laughs> so here we go. Title for the message, My Thoughts from the Week. Y'all, I want you to know my heart's hurting this morning. I'm angry and my spirit is grieving. God's been speaking to me on pruning for a long time now. Since last October, I wrote the song. Some of you will remember I wrote the song, Abide. We sang it last week, and one of the parts of that song is, you prune off of me what I do not need. I believe that God, when we allow him to, prunes off of us things that we do not need. Anybody believe that this morning? How, about, how many of you want God to prune off of you what you don't need? How many of you want him to prune off of you things that are holding you back from the future that he has for you? Amen. Last week, I believe that God did some pruning in us. And if you were here, you might remember I didn't even get to preach last week. That hasn't happened in a long time. I felt like God was calling the church to repent. And I believe that God was doing a pruning work in me as well as in some of you. How many of you would be honest and say, Pastor, God's been pruning some things in my life over the last week? And it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for being obedient to the Lord. Thank you for allowing him to stretch you and to challenge you. So this past week, I went to lead conference, which is district council. And God's been speaking to me all week on things that I, I, I came home with. So at our, our council, y'all, my heart was just ripped out of my chest at council this week. I learned some things 
about some pastor friends of mine. There were some things that came to light. There are pastors that are going to prison. Uh, there were there some, some ugly, ugly, ugly things that took place that, um, that really just broke my heart. And these, several of these guys are friends of mine. And it broke my heart. And I came home and I just began to weep. And I remember Tuesday night, I was weeping and I was mad and I was, I was ticked off. And I got on Facebook and I began to scroll on Facebook. And you know what I began to see on Facebook? Y'all, it's June. You know what June is? It's Pride Month. And so you know what I begin to see as I scroll on Facebook? Pride Month. Pride Month. Pride Month. And as I'm looking through Facebook, I see that several of my kids that used to be on fire for Jesus back when I was in Texarkana, and I mean, they was doing street ministry with me, and they were preaching the gospel. Several of them have come out of the closet. Ten years later, now they're coming out of the closet, and they're, they're homosexual. They're coming out of the closet, and they're getting married to somebody that's the same sex. And as I'm, I'm looking at this, my heart is just hurting. My heart's hurting for what's going on with the church. My heart's hurting for what's going on with my old students. And I keep scrolling and I see more Pride Month. And then I begin to see some of my church family disliking Pride Month, liking, commenting. We support you and we love you. And then I just really begin to get overwhelmed. And so Wednesday morning, I, I come into the church and I'm trying to get all my emotions together. I do not want to preach to you out of my emotions, but I'm hurting y'all. I feel like I've been praying, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And, and I came in uh, on Wednesday morning and I met with a professor. His name was Dr. Uh, Paul Potter. And, I'm, and he's a theologian. I met with him for a couple of hours. And one of the things that he said to me, he said, this year is about God pulling back the curtain and beginning to expose things in his church. He said to me, pruning is taking place in the church right now, which is what God has been speaking to me. Then later on Wednesday, I was mowing my grass at my house and I was praying, God, break my heart for what back yours. And I just begin to weep. I begin to weep thinking about what he did for humanity and then what humanity in turn is doing to his name. It made me cry. And this week, I believe that God has given me specific things that he wants to say not only to our church family, but that he wants to say to the church, to his church. And so I have three thoughts that I'm gonna share with you. I feel like it's probably gonna be really quiet. I feel like it's gonna be heavy and I'm, I'm not gonna apologize because I believe it's God. So thought number one in your notes is this. Number one, don't fear people, fear the Lord. I believe with all of my heart that we have lost in our culture a reverence and a fear for God. Now, let me give you kind of a definition for a fear of the Lord versus the fear of man. Fear of the Lord is a healthy reverence and respect for God. Amen. While the fear of man is an unhealthy fear of, of what other people are going to think or do. So let me give you some scripture this morning. Psalms 111 verse 10 says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his command will grow in wisdom. What is the foundation of true wisdom? Oh, you're going to be that quiet. Whoa, God help me. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. You know what that means? We cannot have true wisdom without having a reverence and a respect for God. We can have worldly wisdom. We cannot have true wisdom. Now let's keep going. Proverbs chapter eight, verse 13. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Amen. 
Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance and corruption and perverse speech. I hate evil. I, if I fear the Lord, I hate sin. I don't like things on Facebook or like things that God doesn't like simply to make somebody else feel better about their life. I hate sin. I stand for the things that God stands for and I stand against the things that God stands against. And I make that clear with my life, what my stance is, because I fear the Lord and those who fear the Lord hate evil. Amen? Now listen to me, I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't ever hate people. Now stay with me, I hate evil. I love people. I love sinners, just like Jesus did. I love alcoholics. I love drug addicts. I love homosexuals. I love fornicators. I love greedy people. I love them just like Christ loved them and he loved them so much that he came to save us. Amen? Amen. But I do hate the lifestyle that they choose and I stand against that lifestyle because I can still stand against things and love people. In the Bible, y'all, there's 167 scriptures on the fear of the Lord. God is a God of love. Somebody say amen. amen. That is why he sent his son to save us. But if we do not have a holy reverence for God, a fear for God, in the end, it is not his love that we're going to experience. It is his judgment in which we are going to experience. That's why he tells us over and over and over again that the fear of the Lord 167 times to have a holy and a respect and a reverence and a fear for God. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is talking to a group of people and this is what he tells them. In verse 28, do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You know what the number one fear in America is? Anybody? Somebody said it. Public speaking. The number one fear in America is not God. The number one fear in America is not going to hell. The number one fear in America is public speaking. You know why the number one fear in America is public speaking? Because we care so much about what people think. We care more about what people think than we are of dying. That's insane. That's coming from me. I speak publicly for a living. I think sometimes just because we don't want to hurt feelings or because we're afraid of how someone's going to act, we mistakenly operate with this fear of man and we don't even realize it. Let me share with you, let me share with you for fun the story behind me getting my my sleeve on my arm. You ready? So some of you may not know this. I really like tattoos, if it's not an obvious thing. Uh, if you get offended by that, I do want to say that I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't mean to offend you. Um, um, 
Uh, if you've been in a, in a church world that they've preached for forever that a tattoo is a sin, I would love to dig into the word of God and show you biblically that there is no biblical foundation behind the statement that a tattoo is a sin. And what I truly believe happened in the church is that we wanted people in the church to look a certain way and to be a certain way. And so what we did was we took scriptures and we manipulated scriptures to make things a sin that was not actually a sin. For example, my whole life, I was taught that a tattoo was a sin because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit or your tattoo is a sin, a, a tattoo is a sin uh, because of, uh, listen, the, those scriptures are completely taken out of context. Let me tell you how ridiculous this has been in the past. When I, 40 years ago, you could not drink coffee and have a beard and be a pastor in the Assemblies of God. You know how dumb that is? And then what happened is people actually started digging into their Bible and going, drinking coffee is not a sin. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Having a beard is a sin. That's a sin. Amen. And so what has happened is we had this, this look that we wanted people to be as a Christian, Pharisee and Sadducee and look all nice and da 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 And so we said, you know what? We're going to pull these scriptures out of context and we're going to say that a tattoo is a sin so that all of these Christians, yeah, we did this, y'all. I grew up in that, and I would love to have a, a, a biblical discussion with you to show you where those scriptures are taken out of context. Okay, so now moving on, let me tell you, well, the, the, I, was, um, I was showing my bat tattoo to Catherine. I don't know if Catherine's here. And, uh, and so she was, we're having this discussion about my back. And so I say to her, one day, I want to get the whole story of the Apostle Paul on my arm. And I begin to tell the story. How many of y'all know the story of the Apostle Paul? Listen, if you don't know, I can explain it to you. <laughs> I got the whole story on my arm from, from the conversion where he has a bright light shine into his eyes. Y'all see my eyes right there? He has a bright light shine into his eyes and then he, he goes to prison and all of the different things. I can tell you the story on my arm. And so I'm telling Catherine about wanting to do this and she says, oh man, that's cool. Like, uh, how long have you wanted to do that? And I said, about 10 years. She said, 10 years? She said, you're getting old. <laughs> she said, when are you gonna start? I said, I don't know. She said, why haven't you done it yet? And I kind of looked down and I said, well, I, I guess I'm a little concerned about how the church is going to react if I show up with this big sleeve on my arm. And she said to me, oh, so pastor, you preach to us about not living on the fear of man, but you actually live by the fear of man? And so I decided next week, you know what? I'm going to practice what I preach. And so I went and set up an appointment to start my arm. You know why? Because that's literally the only reason that I was not doing that. But listen, I did not realize, and I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do that. What I'm saying is I did not realize that the only thing that was holding me back from doing something that I wanted to do was my thoughts on what other people were going to think. And I think so many times what we do in the church world is God wants us to stand for things. God wants us to live by the word of God. God wants to lead us and guide us to do some things. And so many times we do not do these things because we're worried about what somebody else is going to think. And what I'm saying to you is I believe the word, a word that the church has, that God has for the church today is stop worrying about what everybody else thinks and just worry about what I think. I wonder how many times we don't stand for things that are biblically 
show us that we're supposed to stand for simply because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I wonder how many times we cower down because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I believe God's speaking to the church right now in the culture that we live in, not just my church, every church. Stop fearing people. Fear me. Have a holy reverence for me and make the decisions that you make out of an honor and a respect and a reverence for me, not because you care how somebody else feels. I told you I was going to be heavy. Number two. Number two in your notes this morning, the second thought that I had that has just been, (laughs) for lack of better words, making me very angry. Number two, stop abusing God's grace. Listen, in our culture, in our world, I believe that we're using the grace of God to be able to live whatever life we want to live and then just expect the church to say that it's okay because God's grace covers me and he loves me. Listen, God's grace is what saved us. And God does love us. Somebody say amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for those good things that we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Can someone give God praise for his grace? But I believe that we have a major issue with the abuse of his grace in our culture. There's a song that we sing. It's called Holy Water. I love the bridge. Here's what the bridge says. I don't want to abuse your grace, but God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I love that. Listen to me. Write this down in your notes. This is probably the best quote I've ever come up with. If you're not being changed by the grace of God, you're probably not covered by the grace of God. If you're not being changed by his grace, you may think that you are covered in his grace, but you're probably not covered with his grace. Somebody say amen. Amen. Y'all, I'm so sick and tired of my Savior's name and what he did on the cross meaning nothing in our culture. Everyone wants the church to preach what feels good to them and what's not going to hurt people's feelings and to just move and sway around things. And if we don't do that, then we hate people. If we don't do that, then we're bigots, which should not surprise us because Jesus said that you would be hated and persecuted by the world. But y'all, there was a time when it meant something to be a Christian. It was a big deal. When was that a time? Let's go back to Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, it says, it was in Antioch that believers were first called Christians. I want you to stay with me because I'm about to build a little bit of a foundation here. Do you know why they were called Christians? Listen, first of all, I want you to know they did not call themselves Christians. They began to be called Christians. They were called Christians. They weren't called Christians because they went to church. Lots of people went to the temple and went to church. They weren't called Christians because they had a cross hanging around their neck or a cross tattoo. They were called Christians because they followed the way. They followed the life and the teachings of Christ who became a disciple of Christ. And if you followed the teachings of Christ, then they would call you a Christian. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want you to hear me, y'all. When I got saved, when I became a Christian, it meant something to me. For those of you that knew me before I began to follow Jesus, you know that me beginning to follow Jesus was a big deal. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. This was a reality with me. I became a new creation. All things made new. Somebody say amen. Yes. Nowadays, it means almost nothing to say that you're a Christian. You can mix Christian with whatever type of lifestyle that you want and, and, and in even an unchristian lifestyle and everyone, including the church, should just accept you the way that you are because God is a God of love. And if they don't accept you as a Christian, then it's gonna hurt your feelings. Can I be real with you this morning? Sometimes it's really good for you to get your feelings hurt. Listen, when I got saved, I liked my lifestyle. I liked smoking weed. Anybody else? I liked, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'll put them down, y'all, come on. <laughs> hey, BC, before Christ. <laughs> I liked telling jokes that I should not have told and then everyone laughing at the things that I said. I liked the lifestyle that I had, but just because I liked it doesn't mean that that lifestyle was acceptable with the new life that I was following. Amen? In Acts chapter 11, they were called Christians because they, they died to themselves to follow Jesus and his teachings. And let me tell you something that we need to hear today. You don't get to be a Christian without following Christ and his teachings. If you're not following Christ and his teachings, you can call yourself whatever it is that you're going to call yourself, but you're not a Christian. Listen to me, you don't get to be a gay Christian. I told you it wasn't going to be popular. You know why you don't get to be that? Because Jesus' teachings tells me to go this way, and I don't get to choose to go this way and still be a Christian. You, you don't get to be a bisexual Christian, an adulterous Christian, a fornicating Christian, you're free to choose whatever sexual orientation or sexual gender or whatever it is that you want to choose. But dadgummit, you don't get to choose to be a Christian too. Not according to the teachings and the word of Christ. Christian means I die to myself and my wants and my life and my lifestyle. So if you're living a life, any life, I'm not, I'm not harping on certain types of gender or sexual orientation. If you are choosing a lifestyle that goes against the teachings of Jesus Christ, you don't get to be Christian too. God's grace does not cover that. And we're abusing and falsifying his grace if we say that it does. I do want to be clear here. I'm not saying you don't get to make mistakes. <laughs> when I was growing up, I literally thought if I said a cuss word or if I did any kind of sin, like, boom, I'm busting hell wide open because I made a mistake. I'm not saying that you don't get to make mistakes. God grace, God's grace covers mistakes. Somebody say, thank you for his grace. 
What I'm saying is I don't get to choose a lifestyle that goes against him. His grace covers my mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes because I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes because I'm stupid. And his grace covers my stupidity. But his grace does not cover my choice to blatantly go against what he's told me to do. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? (laughs) Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we are also may live new lives. Everybody say new lives. Listen, stop abusing and falsifying God's grace. Pastors, if you're watching this message, stop abusing and falsifying and confusing people that they can live whatever life they want to live. His grace does not cover that. Don't fear people, fear God. Stop abusing his grace. Number three, is it hot in here? (laughs) Oh. Number three, allow him to prune you or eventually you'll be cut down. Yeah. Allow him to prune you or eventually you'll be cut down. I do want to say, dang it, I don't know if this is in my notes later. Yeah, I think it is. We'll we'll wait. I, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about pruning versus cutting down. I've been doing a lot of studying on this because God's been talking to me about pruning now for a long time. Pruning is essential for the health and the fruitfulness of a tree. Pruning is the cutting away of areas of the tree or plant that are hindering that tree now and in the future. So the purpose of pruning is to get rid of parts of the tree that are not being fruitful, possibly diseased, that could affect the rest of the tree, or even it could be good things on the tree that are stopping better parts of the tree from producing the most fruit. And so pruning takes place so that that tree can be the most healthy that it can be. This is what we see God do in our lives in a spiritual sense. In John 15, we see Jesus talking about how God prunes his people. Let me read it to you, John 15, two through four. It says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that don't bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So I've I've been trying for the last three weeks to preach to you guys on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I really want to preach to you guys on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But as I, in fact, I've, I've got it ready and I'm praying, Lord, can I please preach it next week? 
But as I was getting ready to preach the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I felt like that the Lord was saying the same thing, kind of that he was dealing with me last week, that Josh, as you have been seeking out and asking me to stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit in you, there is a work, a pruning that I have to do in you to prepare you for the work that I want to do with you. And I feel like what God is saying to our church family is there is a pruning. If you want to move forward and mature in your faith, if you want to be the disciple that God has called you to be, if you want to move under the gift and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there is a work that you're going to have to allow him to do in you before he can use you. I believe that that is what God is speaking to our church. There's a cutting away of the things that are stopping us in the future. There's a cutting away of the things. And, and I believe because he's put all of this in my heart that some of the things that I'm speaking to you about, I, I hope that God is speaking to you too. God prunes people because he loves us. The cool thing is whenever he's pruning you, it means get, God is getting ready to use you for a greater work. In John 15, it says he prunes the branches so that they will Produce even more. I believe any time that we are about to have a shift in ourselves spiritually, that there is a pruning that God does to prepare us for that shift. And I believe we are about to see, a, we had a huge shift in our church uh, in February, just a spiritual shift. I believe June 25th, our, our miracle night, I believe we're about to see another empowering shift. And what I believe is that God is, is giving us this word for those of us that want to move in that shift, to work in the gifts, to allow God to use them in a new way, that God is saying, okay, I will use you if you allow me to prune you. And if we don't allow him to prune us, then we shouldn't expect for him to use us. So what happens, what happens if we do not allow God to prune us and help us to be fruitful? Eventually we get the ax. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only one who laughs at that. <laughs> we see the ax in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and here's what he says. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. I love it when Jesus says those kind of things. I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these stones. Even now, the ax of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots from the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Y'all, I told you, it's heavy. The, 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 the pruning time shows us that God is working in us. The pruning time is, 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 is seeing that we're walking in the will of God, that he prunes those that he loves to get us ready. But when we do not allow God to prune us, when we do not allow him to work in us, when we begin to step out of obedience with God and work in something else that God is not in, eventually, if we never turn back to allow him to prune the things in our life, we get the ax. Thanks, Nate. <laughs> the axe is for someone that's not walking in God's will. Someone that followed their will over his will. We know that 
because they're not listening to God. They're not allowing him to do a work in them. The ax could be for someone that's never followed God and they chose not to accept Jesus as their savior or the ax could be for someone that began to follow Jesus and then decided in the middle of following Jesus that it was too hard or that they liked their old lifestyle or they liked their old life and, uh, and, and decided to turn away from Jesus Christ and follow a different way. The ax, thankfully, doesn't happen to us until either we die or Jesus comes back. Because if I'm living and I'm breathing, there's still a chance for God to prune me. If I'm living and I'm breathing, there's still a chance to turn back the way that I should turn back. And when I begin to allow him to prune me, that's whenever he begins to be fruitful again. Well, today has been a very heavy day. <laughs> I believe today's message is a prep work for what God wants to do in our near future. Amen. And I also believe that this is a prep work for any church that wants to begin to walk in the will of God, any pastor, any people that begin to walk in his will God is calling his church to repent. He's calling his church to fear him and not people. He's calling his church to stop abusing and misusing his grace. And he's calling his church to do a supernatural pruning and a cutting away because his desire is to empower the church and make the church a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Would you stand, stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask our worship team to come and join me up on the stage. You guys get ready to lead us in worship. Listen, as they're coming, altar team, would you guys step out and come to the front? Church family, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe this morning that God wants to do a work in us. I believe this morning that God wants his people to repent. I believe this morning that God wants us to stop operating under the fear of man and to begin to have a reverence and a respect for the Lord. I believe God wants us to quit abusing his, his grace and to do a pruning in his people. And in just a minute, as our worship team begins to lead us, if you're here this morning and you wanna step out front and come down and worship, if you're here this morning, listen to me, church family, every head bowed and every eye closed. I believe God wants to do a work in us, but it's your choice. It's your choice whether you allow him to prune you. It's your choice whether you get up, give up the things or the lifestyle or the sins or whatever that you're choosing over him. It's your choice. But what I'm telling you is I believe we're about to see a shift. And if you want to be a part of the shift, that God is about to do. If you want to be used in a supernatural, in a miraculous way, I believe God is saying to his church, this message is for you. And it's up to you what you do with this message. So every head bowed and every eye closed, we're about to sing this song. If you're here this morning and you know that God wants to use you to do a supernatural work and you know that he wants to do a pruning and you know there's things in your life that need to change and shift and you want to come and repent and you want to move forward in the life that he has called you to. If you're here and you want to come and get a place in a place alone with Jesus Christ and just allow him to do a work in you. If you're here and you know you need to be at the altar, don't 
allow Satan to stop you from being a part of that shift. Come on, church family. I, right now, I'm going to open up the altar. If you know that you need to be down here praying by yourself or you know that you want to get somebody to pray for you, would you step out and come? Brian, would you guys lead us in worship? Come on, right now.